Uh, the reading today is taken from the book of Matthew, and it starts in chapter 6, verse 19, on page 971 of your Bible. Did I get it right? Is that where it is? Good. <laughs> Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. John said I could preach on whatever I wanted to this morning, uh, and I figured that uh, when you've got to change your pastor, you have a sermon on not worrying, uh, so that's what we're looking at today as we look at uh, Matthew chapter 6. There's an outline there in the leaflet, which I hope will be helpful to you as we press on together and as we lift our eyes to the plans of God for us. So let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll look at God's word. Please do have it up in front of you. It'll be really helpful if you can do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're a God who rules heaven and earth and you do it with justice and mercy and you also do it with extraordinary grace and care and love. And Father, we pray that as we reflect on your word today, your character will be what jumps out at us and imprints itself on our minds and hearts so that we might be people who fundamentally trust you and live according to your promises in this world. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Three times in the section of the Bible we're looking at this morning, we're told, don't worry. Uh, It comes in chapter 6, verse 25, don't worry about your life. You come to verse 31, and again we're told, do not worry. You get to verse 34, and we're told, therefore, do not worry. So you hear this instruction, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And what are you thinking at this point? Yeah, that's right. You, you may as well tell me not to breathe. You know, don't worry. I mean, there's so much stuff in this world to worry about, isn't there? Uh, you think about it. There are things to do with the economy, right? There are lots of people whose lives uh, seem to hover around whether the all odds is going up or down and, you know, and the implications associated with that. People worried about whether they've got enough money to survive. You know, like you would think it's a good thing we're living longer and then people are thinking, but if that means I've got have more money to live longer? Will I have enough money? Those sort of questions. We're at the other end of things. People saying, I don't have enough money to buy into the housing market, and that's challenging. You've got those sort of financial woes. But it's not just those sort of woes. There'll be people here who have the perennial worry of their health, uh, issues that they're struggling with on that front, and are concerned about that. There'll be other sorts of worries. Some of you will be worrying about your kids, at one end, and particular concerns you have there. Uh, but then some of us are worried about ageing parents at the other end. And some of us, if you fall into that sort of golden age at this particular point in time, are worried about both, you know. If you've got the concerns going in both directions. And that's the nature of living longer. Some of you are worried about your job. Uh, maybe not having one, will you be able to get one? The problems you're you're entering into in the workplace and whether they're resolvable. Uh, question marks hang over your existence. Some of you will be worried about the, uh, the broader issues as you read the news and hear about terrorist activities. Will they intrude themselves more obviously into our Australian culture? Or maybe you're worried just to go shopping in the mall after what happened in Melbourne just the other day in Bourke Street. You think, no, they're safe, you know? Those sort of worries impose themselves on you. This week, you know, John's announced that he's retiring from here at the Bay. You might be worried about that. You might be more worried now you've heard that Colin's stepping into the role, you know? (laughs) I I don't share this worry, let me say. Uh, Yeah, there are lots of things, aren't there, that you can be worried about in life. So Jesus says, don't worry. Yeah, Donald Trump has just been inaugurated as the President of the United States. The whole world is worried, right? <laughs> that is just the reality. And Jesus says, don't worry. So you might think, well, that, given the complexity of our lives, given the, the issues that we face on a day-by-day basis, you might think this is quite an unrealistic instruction and that Jesus may have been saying, look, do your best to try not to worry too much. You know, maybe you're feeling like that would have been a more sensible instruction. And yet that's not the instruction here. What I want to do is, is to un- unpack it a bit with you to see how this, these instructions, they fit within the context of a wider teaching and then to try and work out, pull out some of the implications as we look at it together. The setting for these instructions is a Sermon on the Mount. So we're talking about chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew's Gospel where Jesus takes particularly his disciples away and gives them an intensive teaching course up on a mountain. At the heart of this sermon is what we call the Lord's Prayer. This is central 
in terms of our understanding of this teaching. It comes in chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. And what we're going to see is that the centre or the driving conviction or purpose in life that we're being called to subscribe to at this point is the fact that we have a God who rules over the universe. And he is our Heavenly Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is bedrock. And then after the Lord's Prayer, after this uh, key set of instructions, we have a series of do-nots that are elaborated for us. Verse 16 uh, don't look miserable when you fast. That's that's helpful instruction. Uh, don't let everyone know how miserable you are because you're fasting. Right? Verse 19, don't stir up treasure on earth. Verse 25, do not worry. You get to chapter 7, verse 1, it says do not judge. Do not, do not, do not, do not. All based on this central instruction. What I'm going to do for a few moments is look at do not store treasure on earth and do not worry. And I want to show you the connection between these two instructions, how one sort of flows into the other. So let's have a look at that together. Do not store up treasure in heaven. This is the top priority that's elaborated for us in verses 19 to 24. Don't store up treasure in this world. Instead, store it in heaven. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also now pick up what's being said here it's saying don't be a materialist Um, not in the crass sense of stuff that you hold on to but in the sense of don't be a person who has got your anchors rooted in this world which by its very nature is materialist what you can see, taste, touch and feel. Instead, adopt a, a positive investment in strategy that is invest in heaven, where there's no rust, no erosion, no inflation, no thieves, right? where your investment will endure forever. So how do you do that? Well, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. The picture here is being able to see what matters, not just with with your eyes. The images of the the eye as being the thing that discerns what's important in life. If you went back to the Old Testament to a place like Psalm 119, what we read there is the psalmist saying, I will meditate on your precepts, and fix my eyes on your ways. It's the idea of taking truth into your life and letting it shape your very being so that your vision, uh, your life direction, it's preoccupied with the things of God, the things that are of internal, eternal importance. That's what you want to be doing, not being preoccupied with stuff and issues that are locked in on transient concerns. So then the question becomes, well, who, who do you serve? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters because either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. 
In the ancient world, you could be a master of more than one slave. No problem at all. But you could only be a slave to one master. And that's the point that Jesus is making here. If you're a Christian, you can serve God or be a materialist. That is, you can be locked into this world or you can serve the God who rules heaven and earth. You can't do both. He's he's polarising the options there. Jesus is calling for exclusive heart commitment. But at this point, if you're a discerning liver in this world, and you all are, I can see that, astute, uh, then you'd be thinking, it's actually not that simple though, is it? I mean, we have to live in this world. It is a material world uh, to quite somebody that we really don't want to spend much time thinking about. But, you know, it is, it is that sort of world, isn't it? And often the, the issues that we face just don't seem that black and white when it comes to these sort of choices. So how, how do I do it? How do I do what Jesus is calling upon me to do? Well, Jesus helps us in a marvellous way, not by providing a set of rules to follow. That would be convenient, you know. If, uh, if after, after I'll stand at the door after church, as you come out, Right? You just tell me what your combined household income is and I'll tell you what to give away. Right? Simple rules, you know. No problem at all. And I'll give you the details of my bank account. It'll all be good, you know. Uh, rules would be easy in some ways, wouldn't it? If you just had a series of them. But Jesus doesn't take us to rules. He says, how do you know if your heart is buried in treasure in the wrong place? How would you know if that's the case? Well, then he says, well, what do you worry about? What do you worry about? That'll tell you. And he goes on to explore that issue in verses 25 to 34. Because in the end, Jesus tells us here that worry is having a a misplaced heart. It's an indication that your heart is in the wrong place. So he wants to explore this together. So three times Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry. Now, before I go and explore this, let me um, give you two provisos or uh, two people Jesus is not talking to at this point, just so that we don't confuse the issue. Uh, there will be some, it'd be stunning if in a room like this there aren't some people who have uh, what is medically diagnosable as an anxiety disorder. Right? The people who have a medical condition where they find it hard not to attach worry to lots of different things. Okay. Now, if you're in that situation, there's a good chance you've, you've already sought uh, medical help and advice and counsel to think about what's going on there, and that's a good thing that you've been able to do that. Can I say, Jesus is not talking to you. Right? He is, because when you, you're here, if you're in that situation, you hear, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Now you're worried about worrying. You know, like you're, you're really worried. Right? It doesn't seem to help. Jesus' words, I think, can be helpful if you're in that situation, but they're not primarily directed to you. I just want to put that in place. Second thing is, Jesus is not advocating irresponsibility. Some people read this and they think, ah, what Jesus is saying, I should give up my job, join a commune and live off the dole. That sounds pretty good, actually. Don't worry. Be happy. 
Yeah? Don't worry, be happy, just take it easy, relax. You're young, it's not your fault, there's so much you have to go through. You know, like you could keep mounting up this. It, people laugh depending on when they were born at that point. <laughs> Jesus is not commending irresponsibility. Uh, my observation is that some people go through life sort of semi-comatose and, uh, you know, they don't think about money or responsibilities. They're just totally relaxed. And as you hear Jesus saying, don't worry, you're thinking, oh, I didn't know it was so godly to be so relaxed. You know? That's not. Uh, that's not the point that Jesus is making here. Jesus is focusing our attention on what should and shouldn't occupy our concern. That, that's what he's driving at. Um, it's not the so much the absence of worry, uh, more what the focus is. Not on temporary stuff, but eternal. That's where he's going. So he's saying the antidote to worry is having the right perspective, realising there's more to life than matter. So you pick it up in verses 25 to 30, as Jesus plays with the ideas and helping us to understand it gets under our skin uh, as we go through this 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 25 to 30 jesus focuses on on nature and what he does is he gets the birds and the plants to preach sermons to us that's what's going on verse 25 don't worry about what you eat or what you wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothing now in our world uh, where my kitchen rules and when we throw out perfectly good clothing because they're no longer in fashion right? you, you can see I don't have this problem right? <laughs> but, yeah, but that's the way in which our, our world works Jesus is saying don't be preoccupied with those things verse 26 look at the birds of the air they don't sow, they don't reap they don't store in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they? Isn't it? This is a beautiful picture, isn't it, of learning from nature? And you can almost picture it, can't you? Uh, you know, two sparrows sitting in a tree in King William Street at 8.30 on Monday morning. Okay, there they are in the tree, you know, and uh, if only we could understand sparrow, right? These sparrows sitting in the tree watching all these crazy people rushing across the lights, looking frantic, rushing off to work. And you can almost hear, you know, the sparrows speak. You know, one sparrow saying, man, those guys look so stressed and anxious and worried, you know. And then sparrow number two saying, perhaps I don't have a heavenly father like we do. You know, that's the sort of picture that Jesus is playing with here as we consider what's going on. Verse 28. What about clothes? He says, well, the lilies of the field, they don't labour or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon, right, the great richest king, smartest guy in the world of the Old Testament, not even Solomon was dressed like one of these. God feeds the sparrows. He clothes the flowers of the field. Don't you think that the one who cares for you so much more, the one who gave his own son for your life, the one who rules heaven, don't you think he'll care for you? Really? 
That's the point that's being made. Because if you worry about stuff, you actually don't believe that God cares. And the other thing is you don't believe that he loves you or considers you a treasure of his own. Now, at this point, you might say, uh, because you're a, uh, a thoughtful and reflective group of people, right? uh, you might be thinking, yeah, I hear what Jesus is saying, but on the way to church this morning, I was driving my car, and I accidentally ran over and killed a sparrow. Right? And God didn't seem to protect that bird. You know? Or, I don't know, Paul, you probably don't study nature that much, but last year there was a drought, and all those flowers out in the countryside, they just wilted, withered, died. Okay? Um, how about that, you know? <laughs> I mean, and that is actually a fair question. Jesus is not saying you won't die, or that birds won't die, or flowers won't die. Jesus is reasonably clever at this point. Uh, he, like he actually made the world, gets this, uh, that that's the way in which it, it works. But what he is saying is that there is more to life than this life. Verse 32. Now, the pagans run after... But as they worry about all these things, pagans essentially are materialists because without God, all you can focus on is is what you can see, what you can touch, what you can taste, what what you feel. That's the definition of materialism. We're not just talking about acquisition at this point. We're talking about a mindset. It was captured brilliantly for me. I was reading an, uh, an article about this the other day and someone commentating on a, a funeral that they went to. A uh, young family, eight-year-old daughter, and the young mother died of cancer. And at the funeral, uh, the husband of this and father of this eight-year-old stood up and said, my daughter, uh, ex, in the lead-up to this funeral, was asking me, where's mummy now? And he said, publicly at this funeral, he said, and I told her, mummy doesn't exist anymore. Now, I haven't heard a better definition of materialism in a long time. Because it's the whole idea of this is all there is. Not just what you acquire, but just this world contained, limited, focused. God is the one who has ordained the years of your life and also the years of eternity. Notice what he says in verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Um, Literally the word here is is cubit. Uh, Who by worrying can add a single cubit to his life? We don't use cubits much these days. We're talking about a measurement of 18 inches. That's half a step. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single half step to the length of your life? You can't. God is the one who rules. Your death is never going to surprise God. God will not be sitting in heaven saying, I wasn't expecting you today. What won't happen? I remember Brian Hardman, who's a, a guy who was the principal of the Bible College of South Australia, served as an overseas missionary. There was a woman in at Trinity City, and I saw Brian having a discussion with her. Uh, and Brian, bear in mind, Brian is crippled with arthritis. 
uh, can't shake hands. He's, he's got very severe physical limitations. And this woman, he was talking to her and she was telling him about her concerns about her cancer, the latest treatment she was up to and she wasn't certain if she was going to see Christmas. And, and, uh, and Brian, who, reasonably to the point, if you've ever met Brian Harbin, said, and I won't tell you the woman's name, and she said, Margaret, right? it was a bit like that, Margaret, you will not live one second longer or one second shorter than the Lord determines. And then he left. Uh, uh, Brian wasn't strong on pastoral sensitivity. Uh, but, you know, it seemed to do the trick. Uh, it seemed to give the right sort of focus there. But again, you might say to me, Ah, oh, Paul, you just don't understand my world my troubles, my concerns. Yeah, I'm not worried about food and clothing. Not particularly worried about when I die necessarily. Those aren't my particular concerns. What I'm concerned about are my kids or my kids' education or employment, whether I have a job to pay the bills. Um, I do have a significant life-threatening illness. I have ageing parents and I know they're not going to get any younger. Those are the things I'm worried about. But I want to suggest to you in the end, isn't, isn't that just materialism? I'm not saying you shouldn't have appropriate care for those situations. But isn't there a misplaced preoccupation on some of those things that can crowd in on your world and take centre stage? And you need to hear here that Jesus, he is pushing back. He's pushing back very hard. Do you believe that you have a father in heaven who rules the world and cares for you? Do you believe that? And if you do, then you can begin to invest in the things that really do matter. Verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, be concerned for the things that endure for eternity, not the things that just last for the time span of this world. Now, can I say, I, I really do think this is a timely word for us. Uh, It's a timely word for those who worry. You might be someone who worries about many things and has that rattling around in your head. Now, I'm not saying, and nor is Jesus saying, don't plan, don't act. That's, That's not the instruction that's here. But what he is saying is do not assume the mantle of God. Do not live as a Christian atheist. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? That is someone who has a theoretical belief in God. But in the end, uh, you're the one who does all the worrying and the heavy lifting for him. Now understand, that's just rank atheism. They actually theoretically believe something and practically act like it's not true. Can I ask you, what do you worry about? 
What stops you sleeping at night? What wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning? What do you wake up in the morning thinking about? What are those sorts of issues? Do not stress over things that those who have no heavenly father stress about. Do not stress over those things. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, keep reading the Bible, keep filling your mind with the knowledge of the character of the grace and the mercy of God, of his promises to you in this world and for all eternity, and keep putting into practice the fact that you do believe them. That's what we're being instructed to do. But let me also say, I don't think this is easy to do. I reckon one of the challenges I've, I've found personally is that many of the things I didn't worry about for myself, I have worried about for my children. You know, I think it's God's way of sort of teaching me stuff. So have I ever particularly worried about money? No, not especially. Have I ever worried about my health? No, and I still don't. You know, like, you know, I could die tomorrow, I may not, might live longer, it doesn't really matter, I'll be in heaven. You know, like I, I don't worry about those sort of things. Um, there are lots of things I do not, but as soon as I had children, I started worrying. And worrying for them some of the things I wasn't worried for myself about. Will we have enough money so that they will have the things that they need? Uh, I started worrying about their education. Oh, education be so important for them so that they get, you know, make their way through life. You know, things like that. And I had to learn afresh those truths in relation to other people, the truths of the Bible. For each of us, there are different challenges, different angles on it. Uh, but Jesus is saying, don't be a materialist. Don't live that way. It's a timely word for all of us. Let me say it's a timely word for John and Gita, I think. Uh, in a month, uh, John and Gita will conclude their time here at, at Trinity Bay in that formal leadership sort of role that they've had. They've done a wonderful ministry here and served faithfully and built strong relationships. Now, what does the future hold for them? As John said before, he hasn't worked out uh, what he's planning to do next. Under God, they've made a considered and godly decision uh, that now's the right time and they're seeking to honour him. But what's going to happen? What new ministry? What new church? What are the implications for their family as they go through this next phase? Can I say, John and Getty, you have plenty to worry about, right? <laughs> and you understand what I'm saying? Like you do. But you have a heavenly father who cares for you and who rules your lives and you can know without a doubt that he will be faithful to you in this next phase. So you don't worry, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's what you're to do. In the same way, it's a good word for Trinity Bay, isn't it? As I said before, John's going and Colin's in charge, you know. But it's all okay. See, so I'm actually really confident in Colin um, and really confident about the maturity and godliness of this church. But it is a time of change. Who will be appointed to take this role permanently? Is God still ruling his church and his world? Yeah, he is. Don't worry. 
Keep doing what he calls us to do. Keep seeking first his kingdom. Let me say, it actually does such a timely word for all of us to have right perspective. I don't understand, I don't know the uncertainties about the future that you face, some of which may be pressing in upon you this morning, the question marks that hang over your life. But Jesus is is calling us to fresh understanding. Sue and I were able to go to the recent CMS conference, which was a wonderful time of being encouraged in God's word and a conference that focuses our attention on God's work for the whole world. Uh, For a brief time, uh, Steph, one of the returned missionaries from Central Asia, was able to make an appearance. The plan was for her to be there the whole time, all four days, but she was only able to come in for a brief cameo because Steph, who was in her young 30s, single, has come back to Australia on furlough, done some medical testing, and they discovered that she had bowel cancer, 32 years of age. And uh, she went in for surgery. Uh, they've um, successfully operated, but she, she got a challenge in front of her because the cancer had escaped into the wall of the bowel and into the lymph system. It's not straightforward. There are certainly question marks that hang over her life. She was interviewed, and her parents were interviewed, Uh, at the conference and in that interview she reflected on the providence of God in that it's been diagnosed at a time and she's back on furlough she comes from Australia where there is brilliant uh, health treatment Uh, it's been caught very early the prognosis is relatively good even though there are challenges so she was um, giving appropriate thanks for those sorts of things. But then she was reflecting on the driver that she has back in Central Asia. A local man who contracted cancer in a country that doesn't have the same level of medical treatment and he was unable to receive any of any significance and he died from his disease. She compared their two situations. But she said, that's not the big thing here. She said, the big thing here is that I have a loving Heavenly Father who has secured me for all eternity. That's the big difference between me and my driver. That's the reality. That's what counts. And so she asked that we would pray that she would recover so she can go back to Central Asia, so she can share the gospel, so that people can put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and live for eternity. Do you understand Steph is not a materialist? Well, not in that area anyway. Because she has right perspective on what God is doing for all eternity. And that's the call of this instruction to us here to have that right, settled perspective. Friends, do not worry about what the the unbelieving world worries about. It's easy to get sucked into the vortex, isn't it? Don't worry like the world worries. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, they'll be added to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let me pray for us. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you make wonderful promises to us in your Son. Help us not to be trite as we reflect on these promises. Uh, Father, we know in so many ways it's easy to talk about them than to put them into practice and ground them well in our existence. And yet, Father, we, we pray that you'll help us to do just that and to encourage each other in it. Uh, Father, we know that it's so easy to absorb the world's priorities, the, the way in which our, our society ticks, and to reflect that to one another, to play that game together. Father, we pray you'll help us to step out of that, uh, to see the things of this world for what they are, good gifts, generous gifts from you, but time-bound. And rather, Father, you will give us that perspective that comes from your word, an eternal perspective which shapes priorities and helps us have a settled view, not only on our own lives, but on our existence for all time. Father, graciously go before us, help us to maintain that as a church, individually, and to keep mirroring that to one another and encourage each other in this truth. Father, we pray it in your son's precious name. Amen.